Lights. Camera. Are you going back to the theaters? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Going Ooh. back to the theaters. Going back to the theaters. Going back, going back, going back. You know why? Because COVID gets all this flack. But the fact is that sometimes in movies and theaters, the floor will have spit and that jizz and all things that will make you come theater. Never mind. Well, welcome to Cinemagic Podcast. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since Rick has given us one of his great renditions over there. That's, of course, my great co-host, Rick Acevedo. Thank you. Uh, and, and I apologize I'm for the other host. <laughs> Which I think we miss your singing, Rick. I, I personally miss you singing something to us at the start of every episode. I, I did miss singing. I feel like, you know, as, as we're getting back to... Well, some kind of normal in certain areas. Uh, it's also good to, you know, bring back the old standards. Uh, I was thinking about uh, singing a Frank Sinatra tune um, that was originally uh, thought of by the Gershwins. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know any Frank Sinatra tunes thought of by the Gershwins or otherwise, so I figured I'd just make my own. And uh, we got this. So <laughs> I have blessed you. I, I love your knowledge. That's honestly really what I love. I love all the knowledge that you bring uh, and bring forward to here. And so I love my so lack of knowledge, so thank you very much. <laughs> Self-effacing humor, people. We're great at that. Come on now. <laughs> In all these times, humor is always great, especially yeah. when we talk about an industry that we love. So, you know, theaters, the box office, the silver screen. Um, That's right. Well, screens aren't really silver. Where the anymore i'm not saying they weren't they're not really I mean, silver. they were never silver it, it's like i don't know I, I guess if i guess if the black and white era was really black and white and people didn't like actually have physical color you could say that it was silver because everything would have been silver like that niceville wasn't welcome to niceville <laughs> yeah uh, that, yeah the one with toby mcguire pleasantville. Pleasantville? pleasantville was it pleasantville some some weird uh yeah i think it was pleasantville and it may have been niceville like that's no, the town was Pleasantville. I think it was Pleasantville. I think it was Pleasantville. I think you're right. I think we need to look into that. Which is funny because, you know, you mentioned the silver screen, and I was just reading an article. I just caught this article today. Uh, and, man, it, it's like this is a business that we love, but at the same time, it's such a dirty business. <laughs> like, crap, I was looking at, I was like, I thought, wait a second, are they canceling Jerry Lewis? Because, uh, you know, he's dead. But what, as it turns out, is that this, that this um, article, and, and it has a video to go with it, uh, and they're from the people that uh, made Alan B. Farrow. Uh, so if you haven't seen that on HBO Max, check it out. But it talked about, uh, like, you know, uh, Jerry Lewis being uh, pretty much a very dirty, dirty human being. Um uh, kind of a, a garbage human i mean I, I hope they're not listening to this in france but um you know yeah it, you gotta look that up because there there are some allegations that are coming out of some of these leading ladies and um I, I, they look 100 percent real i i gotta be honest with you they look 100 percent real so and you know what this reminds me of as the episode we did about early hollywood <laughs> basically it was about how all those people were dirty <laughs> Like, there's a lot of effed up stuff happening to people, especially by studios and everything else. But it shows you... A lot you, of other people abusing people. A lot of... It just, shows it you, though, where happen. we're at and where we have progressed as a society that you can at least, you know, be open and say, look, I'm not going to let you do this regardless of what you think mm. you can do or regardless of what you think your power is because at that point in time, Jerry Lewis is one of the most powerful people in the world. Not in the world, but in the world of entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in Paramount Pictures. I mean, he had a like a, a run of I think it was eight years where he was like the number one box office star in the States um, and obviously he was beloved and friends and stuff like that but it just shows you you know sometimes it's better to not meet your idols 
because um, you'll be sorely disappointed and possibly groped, um, depending on who it is. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorely disappointed and possibly groped. Yeah, oh, it's oh, like crazy to think. It's crazy to think. It's like all this stuff is coming out now, and it's like, man, I can never watch the Naughty Professor again. The old Naughty Professor, you know. Or uh, or anything like that, or the bellboy, because it's like, yeah, you're kind of a dick. Based yep. on on what's, I mean, already people kind of knew that he was already a dick, but I'm just saying, like, this makes you like tenfold a bigger dick. You know. Yep. So interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, I feel sorry for the people that go through that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I stand, of course, all the victims of it. I uh, I'm so sorry that fame and fortune goes to so much people's heads that they feel like they can treat anybody the way that they want to, which is yeah, just a shame. that is that is not the way the world works. Um, if you assume that you know uh, because you have a position that gives you power over certain things, that it also gives you power over people. Um, if you're living that way now, your days are numbered. Um, if you've lived that way and are hiding it don't worry i'm sure it's going to come to light um which is great honestly um, yeah and i promise here and now that triskelion productions the only person i will ever abuse is rick so i promise that and, and i promised that i would only <laughs> abuse jonathan back because it's a respect thing god damn it we're kidding. We never abused anyone here. It's all. It's no, all. we love each uh, other. So <laughs> I don't need this coming back to us. Be like, see, you said you abused people. Be like, no, no, joke. No, um, that's that's actually not real. We we say things like that, but it's not real. No, no, we, uh, we, uh, we won't hear because I, I really the police but... really. I need help. <laughs> help me. Uh, listen. Uh, speaking of which, producer, please make me look good. I need help. Producer, make me look good. I need help. Uh, so just want just want that said. You look good. I, I love I love your background with the um, with the blue chairs and the uh, and the matching masks and everything. Yeah, well, this is a uh, this is this is a diagram for those who can see it. I'm showing a picture uh, of a of the theater actually in China. Because uh, it's going to be subject of my conversation uh, <laughs> this week. That has really these nice blue chairs, and everybody's wearing matching, literally blue masks. If you think of the uh, uh, of our standard disposable mask, that's the color blue uh, that they're using, and it's really fun. And I also want to use this because I'm going to build this in my house uh, for the next house that I get. So it's going to look exactly nice. like this. I love this color blue. I it's yeah, it's kind of a it's not teal per se, but it's not turquoise either. It's like this light. It's like a really light, cool blue. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I do too. And the chairs actually look really comfy. So the chairs look yeah. really comfy. Yeah, not they do. No, so they do. buckety like our bucket seats that I feel here. So I, I feel like, go on our TikTok. There definitely be a, probably a video of Rick singing in our TikTok. So definitely go take a look. You'll be able to see those chairs. So definitely go and do that. Cinematic podcast. But uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I wanted to see the theater because as myself as a person, as we've been talking about theaters back and forth, I pretty much was like, I don't go to the theater, so I'm done. But I've been trying recently to see more movies in the theater uh, a little bit. Not a lot. When I say more movies, one movie is like more than I usually see. So uh, <laughs> seeing one is a lot for me. So uh, last movie I saw was Death on the Nile. I think I mentioned that on this podcast. I believe I did. Twas uh, matter I'm... here in this ship. <laughs> and I must get back as there has been a murder in a Hyundai. Oh, that's so, nice. I, I feel like I could spoil this, right? I feel like I could spoil I, Death I, on the Nile by this point. I, I, I mean, I feel like even if you didn't spoil it, it would kind of be spoiled anyway if you already saw Orient Express. I it, Also, if you've read the novel it's based on. I it's, it's yeah, on. which is everything Poirot related. It's like it's like all about uh it is I, Inspector Poirot, and I'm here in this Hyundai. There's there is a weird moment. I just have to talk about this for a second. There's a really weird moment in the movie where they show why Poirot wears a mustache. It's because he got injured in World War One, right? right? And uh he got his face kind of blown off. So he has scars all over where his mustache is. 
But in the movie, they also show a huge scar on his cheek, like worse than what's on there. And his love interest is like, hey, grow a mustache. Don't worry about it. Just grow a mustache. And so that's why he has that ridiculous handlebar mustache. But they never answered why his cheek is completely like has nothing on there. There's, there's no scars, no nothing. It looks completely normal. But he's wearing a huge mustache for a scar on his mustache line, even though the mustache scar was much less than the scar on his cheek. That was huge. It was like a big gaping wound. And it was a really weird thing to show because you're like, why are you highlighting that and then showing no scars? That doesn't make sense. It, it, was, it was such just like a visual like F you. And it comes in the first five minutes of the movie. And, and it's weird that to me. My partner's even seeing it. It was like, I can't go over the fact that they never showed he had a scar on his cheek when they made it a point to be like, he has a scar. That's why he has a mustache. Yeah. Why, but he also had a plus, scar on his plus, plus my question would be like, when I was watching Orient Express, and certainly when I saw the previews for this, I wasn't actually thinking about, oh my god, why does he have that ridiculous mustache? I agree with you. I agree with you. That's so the like, fact that they made this the first, like, five minutes, like, they made it a point of the opening part was only about his mustache. It really was just like, well, why, what? I thought he would have a full beard, because the way you're showing the scars would be like a full beard would cover it. But I don't know. It's just such a weird thing that they put I'll tell you, really I'll tell you weird. the reason I'll tell you the reason why he doesn't talk about the cheek scar or even cover it up. See, I can imagine There is gonna... no cheek scar though. There is no There is no cheek scar. There is no cheek scar. Alright. So so they made a point though to say that the reason he grows a mustache is because he has scars. And then they show that he has scars all over the side of his face and on his mustache line. But then, next time you see him, he has no scars on his cheek. But I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly what happened. See, right after the war, Poirot went to the king's man. Right? <laughs> Wait for it. Gets better. And they don't actually mention the fact that Poro was on his team, all right? So when they go to meet with Rasputin, hold on. No, they, he was Rick, on the team. Rick, you're wrong. He's not part of the Kingsmen. He's French. He's part of the Musketeers, okay? Right, but see, they're part <laughs> of the Kingsmen, Frenchy. Um, so he gets he gets in there with the Kingsmen, and when they go to Rasputin and they have that thing where the poison cake and all that, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right right before old. Rasputin uh, licks the leg, he's like, Poirot says to Rasputin, Hey, Rasputin, my name is Inspector Poirot, and I solve matters, but I cannot do that in this face with these scars in my face. And Rasputin's like, well, I am not going to lick your mustache, okay, but Rick. I will heal your face. And then he licks his face endlessly in the most fucking nonsensical display of weirdness. Rick, Rick, Rick. You don't need to hear what you were just watching on Pornhub, okay? Um. <laughs> hey, man, anybody that watched The King's Man and watched Poro knows exactly what I'm talking about. And you know you could see that scene happening with, with just Rasputin just licking the guy's face into... Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> I know we talked about it last week, but that probably Rasputin fight scene was the best part of that whole movie. Uh, was probably Yes, it was a great fight scene. I missed... There is no making a mistake about that. It was a fabulous fight scene. I absolutely love the fight scene. The licking of the leg. Like, was that really necessary? Don't you know a way to a man's heart is to lick his leg wound? I know, but it heals it. I don't, like, does Rasputin's, like, like tongue have... Okay, man. I... It's, it's magic, let's man. Get to, let's that, get to the... <laughs> That's what makes it so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked Here's about... The... Here's some... For a real-life, like, trivia, Rasputin was hung. That is actually real life. That dude was like massively. Oh, and not just not, not not just that. Rasputin, Rasputin. The fact of the matter is, is Rasputin would stick it anywhere he could, including but not limited to holes in the wall. <laughs> Rasputin was a perverted dude, 
And it's because of that perversion that he ended up getting killed at a party um, by the cousins of the Tsar and then getting dropped off a lake and shot like 27,000 times. On top of that, like, Rasputin, he, he partied too much. But, look, we've been talking yeah. about this for the last 15 minutes, and we need to get to the business of the box office. I, I just have to say, this is the stranger than fiction. Actually read on the truth of Rasputin. It is honestly insane. Uh, the Ras, Rasputin himself. Screw the Disney version and the and the Kingsman version, whatever else. Look at the real version of Rasputin. It is crazier than you think it would be. Yeah, the actual story of Rasputin. Yeah, no, there's there's a reason why Rasputin basically was such a dangerous figure in um, in the um, in the annals of history. Yeah, yeah, so it's almost insane. Uh, I, I I always say that it's like yeah, when you actually learn about real history, nothing is more crazy. Uh, people are people are actual insane. Uh, that's something that movies cannot even hope to get like an iota of the craziness that actual history has done. Yeah. So. Speaking of movies, because that's what we're supposed to be doing instead of Rasputin's Hugh Dungus, uh, also the name of a James Bond character from last week. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting Lenny Harris. Ever, oh. ever Hugh Dungus. <laughs> Person. <laughs> well, we're talking about the box office of the movie. And uh, before Rick and I have really talked about, and, and this is what I really want to start with, which is mm -hmm. kind of insane from you the last time we talked about it was the importance of China in movies, right? right? And we said like box office in China, we have to market to China, but China's having this really thing right now where they're kind of not accepting big Hollywood movies anymore. They're kind of like, eh. The, the numbers they're accepting has dropped dramatically. So now Hollywood is even trying to find new ways to think about it, or even trying to get past or more to Chinese censor, because China, which was a huge market for films, now I'm gonna say that it was a huge market for film has all of a sudden dried up for a lot of Hollywood, which is literally sending ripples to the whole industry, which I think is insane and crazy. Yeah. Um, so as you think about it, our whole market moved to see like, you can't be a global box office dominant if you don't do well in China. So all of a sudden, well, the movies aren't performing well in China or they're, China won't even air them. Well, and like China of, won't even air them. Part of, and part of what you have to wonder is, um, you know, the fact that a lot of the films that we rely upon for big box office are essentially, you know, high budget, um, high dollar mm -hmm. films. And that's really always been the case in the United States. Those films have a tendency or can have a tendency to, after a while, become formulaic. It's a formula that works. No one's mm -hmm. disputing that. But it's it's a question of, you know, is it going to work everywhere along the lines for the same crowd? I can tell you, I went to see um, films in, uh, you know, in, in different parts of the world. Like, I always like to go to a movie theater. And more westernized um, societies, and like, and I'm talking about places like Brazil and certain parts of Europe and stuff like that, will essentially lean towards that same area although they'll have a stronger presence of locally made films and by when i say locally i mean they're still national films it's not locally as in they were made in a region no they're they're national films but they're made there so therefore there's that option mm. you know we're known as the people that will bring out the big hollywood films but you know the question is is the formula the issue, you know, what is the issue? Is it that they want to see something that's more story geared? And and by story, I mean that, that the story is, like, the success of the film is predicated on how the story is told and not necessarily um, an explosion of universal proportions with Adisham, uh, you know, recreating the world or in his own image or whatever, you know. And, and you see and, a lot of that now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we still know that Hollywood still has a good deal with China, right? We still, we still yeah. know that. We still know they're trying to market movies to them, and they still are trying to get through the censorships and making sure everything pleases them to see, because China is the world's largest market. So we still know that. And I think part of it is also part of the 
Chinese government itself trying to promote in the same way Hollywood promoted American culture and America to the world to promote Chinese culture and Chinese to America, uh, America in the world. This is why some of the biggest movies in some years are movies that didn't even that we as Americans never heard of, but played well in China, uh, where Chinese films, they either play well in China or some other markets, especially Asian markets that go. And I think what you're trying to see is maybe a more nationalistic view of movies, you know, wanting to see more of your own, especially since they've done well and Chinese audiences are responding to their own films. Maybe that's what we're seeing a little which, more of is a little more nationalistic of their which own. Which would also explain how much, why Chinese, the, like, you know, uh, Chinese programmers and everything, and everyone in China has such a very specific um, deal with being able to hold on tightly to IP. Because mm -hmm. I can tell you that one of the things I was pitching a show to a Chinese market, this happened years ago, and I'm not going to go into every single detail about it, but they were essentially sitting down with me, and I was pitching an animated series, and they said, you know, we need to own more than 50% of the IP, because, you know, we have 18% of the Chinese market. 18% of the Chinese market is a ridiculous amount. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a viewership of about 54, 55 million on any average part of the day. Okay? Now, here's where it got really tricky. They're like, this is not a negotiating point for us. And we have to be able to manipulate that IP. And it's not to say they wanted to, to take the IP or, you know, because um, I think there's a huge misconception about that. It's just that they want to be able to basically sell to see what works for their own markets. And that, I think, 100% speaks to what you just said about it being more of a nationalistic thing where it's like, you know, we are always going to be suckers for for our superhero films and our things that mm -hmm. we love to watch we're always going to love that and we're yep. always going to love the occasional indie flick but you know for that same token just like for example um, India is madly in love with Bollywood and they have a very specific formula for Bollywood China's probably got its own formula that they've worked on that's maybe an amalgamation of different things or it's maybe something that they've come up that's more specific to their culture and shoots more on, um, on, on their own way of looking at things, which, again, I totally get that. And, you know, and it's a, it's a different story. Because with, with China, too, what you got to think about is also the fact that China grew and really evolved from a dictatorship to an still being a dictatorship and being open with a very capitalistic view of the world. And while, you know, as they were figuring their shit out, they figured it out well because they have become a massive, and I do mean massive, and not just in terms of numbers, world power. Um, when it comes to pretty much every imaginable industry. So, yep. you know. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And so it's, it's kind of crazy because, you know, China, because it's such that massive power, pieces like Disney, everything else, you know, you had to have your movies sit there to be a guaranteed success, make your money, make a billion. But then you have stuff like even people who used to be draws, like, let's say Jungle Cruise with Dwayne Rock Johnson, only brought like 7 million from China. Which if you think about even pre-pandemic terms, that would be abysmal, like, right? Like, you would think it would make 300, 400 mil easy in China, even if it didn't get 50% of the population to see it because of the massive amount of just money that's being thrown around in, in the film industry there uh, from people seeing it and everything else. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing just this tick down, and it's really like, oh, are they exercising more of their kind of soft power over Hollywood? And when I say soft power, that's the thing about making sure you have uh, 
more Chinese characters in there, more things that appeal to them and everything, without being a, 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 a very like, you have to do this. It's a soft power. You want to be seen in China? You have to appease us. It's a soft power that they're producing, right? And But huh. every market, every up-and-coming market, and, and China obviously is no, I wouldn't say is an up-and-coming market. I think it's already established. Um, but every up, every up and coming market seems to have that advantage. I mean, look, you and I were at Nappy two years ago, and we saw the Turkish Pavilion, and we were both blown away by just the level of different things that we were seeing and the people that we were talking mm. to, and the fact that you know, as we sit and talk about um, you know how things are done here they're basically taking notes and seeing how they can improve that formula over there because yep. their formula could could mean having a like a three hour long television show where it's like okay well in the first hour of this three hour game show you're like whoa three hour game show yeah <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> lights get really hot after a while and we've had a lot of people faint some people have stabbed each other no problem um but but it's like it's like these markets are starting to you know creep up in the sense that they're taking and adapting and changing some of the formulas to, to fit their own their own uh, their own marketplace, and I think that's part of where we need to pay I think closer attention. How are we going to tell a story that can appease that? Because look. I, I love the Jungle Cruise because it was about a, a Disney ride that I rode as a kid a million times. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you see that and, and you think it's, oh, it's a, it's a cute film. But that, that doesn't apply to every single person. Not everybody's been to Magic Kingdom and ridden that ride. And, and sometimes bringing that up, because, and I've made this criticism before, a lot of Hollywood films are relying on nostalgia to order kind of drive their sales and people showing them and their storylines are very nostalgia driven. And because China does not have nostalgia for the same things we do. And that's not like a detriment. And they don't, and they don't even, because they, chances numbers. are that stuff that was popular in 1985, they weren't watching it. Look, yeah. Watch in, uh, I think it was in 85 the biggest rock concert in China at that point in time in china and this was like a publicity stunt and it like the band split uh, shortly after it was uh, wham okay wham in china and if you watch wham in china in 1985 with a young george michael and the other guy andrew wrigley Ridgely, andrew you know we'll call him andrew um and the girls and everything you, you watch this right and the like especially George Michael became one of the biggest stars in the world stuff like that there like the crowd was basically dead silent like the whole thing was just dead silent because at that particular point in time they weren't partaking in in the things of, of Western culture that we partake in now so we like they're not gonna be fans of stuff that we were fans of growing up simply because they didn't grow up with it. So why should they be? And that's, again, like you said, it's not a detriment to them. It's just a matter of if we're relying on we're going to bring back um, these characters, like say we're going to bring back Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. Well, shit, man, everyone's going to be down for that. They love Eddie. They love Axel. They need to freaking rebuild from three because that just wasn't that good. But one and two were, but um, but it's like you and me might be down for it because we love Axel, we love Eddie, mm -hmm. we love Eddie. Yep. But do they even know who Eddie is? Yeah. Or do they no, even know who Axel Foley was? Have they ever seen that? Did that yeah. ever clear the censors? Probably not. So you know, and that's the reason why Star Wars always underperformed in China versus Marvel movies that did well. Because Marvel movies didn't technically rely on nostalgia, because it, it, you know, it didn't rely on you knowing David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury in order to understand the Avengers. No one cared, right? Like, no, like it started its own thing. Why Star? When I say Star Wars, like The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and everything, all of those underperformed in China. All of those did not make money in China. China basically didn't care for them, and it's kind of like, yeah, 
a lot of those relied on bringing back old characters, having the nostalgia, understanding the Star Wars. Be- because universe. the idea is like if you can bring back the old fans, that can bring back new fans. Yeah. Somehow, and then the existing fans that think they've seen this, it's like, well, no, it doesn't work. Unfortunately, you can't do that. Like, you can't actually do that. You're gonna have to come up with something new. And but the thing is, and and the problem is, is nostalgia in any form is profitable, at least here. Yes. But. Mm-hmm. No one, because dude, how many times have we talked in here about that store in Burbank that we love to go to whenever we're there? Yep. Million times. Yep. You know, like, and what does that represent? TMNT, everything that we grew up with. Yep. Look at this, look at that. We spent more time in that than we did in any freaking restaurant in in LA. Yep. You know? Yep. But it's one of those things. It's like highly profitable, but not everyone, especially, you know, and not coming up in a capitalist system, not everyone really thinks that way. Especially mm-hmm. if what you remember from 35 years ago is that the only thing that was exciting in China back in 1985 or 86, whatever, was, so actually longer now, 37 years ago, was a Wham concert. Yeah, and and I mean that's what I think you know when you start building your own media and your own culture and ideas, you know their own nostalgia. So and I think that Hollywood may need to grapple with that too, because yes, nostalgia sells here. Nostalgia is huge here, but especially when you're going to foreign markets, nostalgia is not the same. So we don't we don't kind of have yeah, just you know, know and understand know and understand where the stuff that you have is going to perform and where it's going to underperform and. Like, you can't rely on thinking, man, if we love it here because they love American stuff, they're going to love this. It's like, but yeah, how can they love something they have no context for? I have context for Star Wars, so do you. Yep. I have context for Transformers, so do you. We all have context for all that. We've been watching it forever. Yep. So at, at that point, it isn't question... Like, there's no question of any of that shit. Yep. And, and I say why the Transform movies and Fast and Furious still do well in China is because they don't rely on nostalgia a lot, honestly. Those movies don't. Um, they no, not, the first not on the original months. source material. I mean, they have the same names and characters, but it's a completely different... Yeah, yeah. yeah that's no, no, it's not the same certain. thing. It's not the same thing. That's what it plays for. Yeah. But I also think, like, Spider-Man... We're talking about this, Goldwee, and I, I don't think Spider-Man released in China. Batman is going to release in... Well... Spider-Man released in China way after it released, like, here, like, after. So Spider-Man is, like, the rare exception where it didn't need a big, like, Chinese presence to make a billion dollars. When I say rare exception, it really is a rare exception. Uh, Most of the modern movies have not made a billion dollars without opening big in China. That's just not, that just hasn't happened for a very long time. Uh, (laughs) A very long time. Spider-Man Far From Home is one of the last exceptions. And do you think, is it, not Far From Home, um, Spider-Man. No, way home. no, wait, no. Home Alone. No. No. Uh, Spider-Man. Uh, see this. I, I hate these subtitles. Uh, <laughs> no. Spider-Man Three. We're just gonna call it Spider-Man Home. Home Series Three. We're gonna just call it that. Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. That's not. No, here, no. That's not Doctor Strange. It, dude, just, just, just look it up because it's now it's driving yeah. me crazy. And I don't know why I can't think of the native. Like, I I know every No Way Home. Right? Yeah, no, no way, way home. home. No way home. No way home. Uh, I know home in it. Uh, building home in it. Homecoming, far from home. No way. This is gonna kill me. I, I always forget these. Uh, I'm getting older. My memory's slipping. I, I need numbers, man. Help me out. Spider-Man one, two, and three. Very easy for me to remember that. <laughs> but um, uh, and really, I'm wondering. Because Batman's coming out by the time everyone listens to this. It's just come out on the weekend. But um, I really wonder how the Batman's going to do. Because Batman's another global big figure. But I wonder if Spider-Man's big explosiveness was people really trying to go back to the theaters and see a theater-like movie. And it could have been any big temple, Or was it Spider-Man's that good? Because I'm really wondering if Batman would do the same numbers that Spider-Man did. I don't know that... Um... 
I don't know that. Like, Sp Spider Man to me, Spider Man to me is a is a very light light hearted film, and it's the sort of thing that you want to share with your friends and your family, because it's about a kid with real life problems who at the same time happens to be a superhero. So I think it. I, I wouldn't necessarily say. It could be a combination of both, I think. And I think that everybody kind of wanted to see where the Marvel um, universe is going to go now, especially given the fact that, you know, there's a Sony thing, and then there's this Spider-Man is supposed to be like the lead of the Marvel universe, take over for Tony Stark, the way that it's been presented. Um, I think that a lot of expectation was put into that. So basically, um, I think that people went just because they wanted to share the, like, in, within the expectation, whatever. I, I'm not... I'm not sure. I can't say. With Batman, though, Batman's different, man, because this Batman looks dark. I mean, this looks really dark. The previews look ultra dark. And the fact, and when they said that they based Kirk, uh, Bruce Wayne on Kurt Cobain, I was like, man, you, you guys are really going uh, emo on this. Like, you're going emo, oh, emo to the well, max. You know, all three Batman movies before Christopher Nolan, the Batmans that we have from more, and even the DCEU movies that had Batman in it outside of Justice League did really perform well. People love Batman, so, you know... People we, do we love know. Batman. I just... I think with this, they're going to the absolute depth of Bruce Wayne's darkness and also the, like... I don't think this is going to be like a Michael Keaton movie where you're like, man, he could definitely differentiate between the two. It's like... I'm Bruce Wayne, and I fucking hate everything. And I'm Batman, and I'm gonna kill everything in my fucking awesome muscle car. My throat hurts. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, the, the Batmobile does look epic. Like, I gotta yeah. say that. Like, to me, it looks awesome. Uh -huh. So, I'm just... Because, uh, to be fair, for industry out, uh, analysts and everyone, Spider-Man Far From Home was an unexpected hit. Like, it, was, it massively overperformed what everybody thought it was going to do, right? Um, especially during the COVID era, especially during the pandemic. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's really going to fight me over Are that. Are you talking today. about No Way Home, the last one? No Way Home, sorry. No Number Way three? Home. Number three? Number three. Spider-Man 3, No Way Home. Ah, uh, tell you, it's going to kill me. So, No Way Home. Um, uh, no Way Home. No, uh, yeah, no That doubt. one shattered expectations. It literally did. All analysts, they were not expecting it to make as much money as it did, especially during the pandemic. Uh, so, so it's kind of like our theaters back now. Spider Man did it, but definitely Nile really hasn't. Uncharted has made money, but not really made money. Things before. Yeah, I think it's made like really... sixty million as of yet, or close to sixty million over the last five days. But you know, again. It comes down to with Spider-Man. Spider-Man was not on streaming. You couldn't see it on Disney while it was on theaters. No. And but so, neither could you Uncharted. And Uncharted still has it like. Yeah, but Uncharted. Right Uncharted. Look, man. And look, I love video games, and you know I love video games, man. I have. I still have my old school uh, PS3. Mm. Um. I love video games and everything, but every time I see a logo that says uh, PlayStation Entertainment or Nintendo Entertainment, I brace a little bit. I brace. It's like I'm taking I, a poop. I understand. I, and I understand you, but even with industry analysis, it's still performing lower than exit. Like, lower than pre-pandemic. Like, they're still performing lower than pre-pandemic. No, you're right. You're right. You're right about that. Outside um, of Spider-Man. Like, like Spider-Man blew out expectations so that one is the outlier and so kind of once spider-man blew it out everybody's like well i guess theaters are back right but then post spider-man things have i guess form. i guess it's a, i guess too you got to think about though um john the event aspect hmm. some films like like uh like a spider-man because everybody loves the character because dude you and I both love Spider-Man, and we're grown men. Yeah. Batman. Um, Superman is another discussion for another time. Um, if, if it was Christopher Reeve, rest of the soul, maybe. Um, but I can't, I can't, I, you know. But anyway, like, all this stuff. These are event films. When, you know, when you see... Like, the last time I was in California... 
Um, you guys, yeah, you guys had left. You guys had left, and me and me and um, Brendan, my son, who also works with us, um, recently just graduated. Shout out! I think we we did shout him out, or did we not shout him out? Well, shout no, out now. We we, we, we yeah, love you. I refuse to shout him out for that. I refuse. And so, <laughs> and so, <laughs> terrible. Um, there's, there was, there was like in front of Grumman's uh, or TLC's Chinese theater, as they call it now, which is still Grumman's to me, but um, there was like the, you know, the, the backboard thing where you take the pictures. And so from the premiere of a Bond film, the last Bond film, um, No Way to Die. Is it? Is it No Way to Die? Uh, again, these names are killing me, man. These names are killing me. All right. So Sp- we're, Spider-Man's we're in my head now. James, I'm just trying we're, to keep We're going to call it James Bond 20-something. Um, yeah. <laughs> no time to die. And so, and you see, like, these are events. And people turn out for these events. And I think because everyone's so stir-crazy at home... And you and I have talked about this, man. Like the pandemic took a took a toll on everyone. So everyone mm-hmm. is so stir crazy um, now that it's just like, man, you know, I I can't deal with this anymore. I gotta get out. And what are some of the places that you can still get out where you feel like things are gonna be kind of normal? Well, the movie theater, you know. And, your... and that's my question about Spider-Man. Was it everyone feeling cooped up and like, well, this is a big event. I love this. I'll see this one. I is think that it's gonna that. continue? Are people still gonna be flocking to the theaters? And like, are they back? Are theaters back? It's basically the question. Are theaters back? I would they say they're halfway there. Yep. And, and, it's, and one interesting thing I was reading a report too is that like even the releases of films are less. Right, so even so, like pre-pandemic for major studio films, they would release in a year, um, like, you know, uh, let's see, 71 films are released in like 2019, 2020, 34, 2021, 57, but they don't even think they may hit 57 for this year. Just the number of films that release. So it's like even, they're not even betting on theaters of releasing the same amount of movies and theaters that they I, I think part of it with Spider-Man I think is, is definitely uh, just a combination of two things that we just talked about but um, I think you know Spider-Man's one thing but I think generally speaking from what I've seen because I've, I've been going to the theater somewhat often I wouldn't say super often but I went to see um, Venom 2 and this is, I think, probably three uh, excuse months. Me. Uh, Venom, let there be carnage. Yeah, Venom too. Um, <laughs> I'm older than you. I gotta get those fucking numbers. I don't care. Um, I got, I got, <laughs> I got gout and I got arthritis. I got gout arthritis. It's the worst kind of combination. I will mm-hmm. say, uh, Venom too. No, but I had seen Venom, let there be carnage on its opening weekend at Gr- Grumman's Chinese with Brandon. That. That weekend that I told you that I saw the the James Bond when you guys left, and that was on a, what September October. Um, yeah, that's it. We've been filming so much in LA. Um, uh, I was like, uh, I yeah, want to say it's kind of crazy, but I was like, was that the one just me and you, or is that November? No, we went in November. I... Well, we went. No, you and me. Months. Our last one was November, so we're talking about a month and a half before. So October. So so yeah. October. So I'm seeing. Three months later, four months later, Venom Let There Be Carnage in theaters here. Shockingly enough, it was not one of the bigger theaters. Um, it was over at Desertland, or I still call it, you know, uh, Artigan Marketplace. But it, you know, it was a pretty crowded theater. It was a pretty crowded theater. All right, and this is for a movie that, by all intents and purposes, should, should already be streaming if it, if it isn't already. Like, and on this theater, I was like, holy crap, there's a crowd. Mm. You know what I mean? And yep. so it's there, it's getting there. You know, I think that um, Omicron definitely set it back. 
but I think it's getting there. I think it's about halfway there. And I wouldn't say three quarters of the way there, but I think it's good. I think theaters will come back. I think it'll take a long time for it to come back before people feel 100% confidence that that is a place that they can go. But then at that point, it's like, are you going to have the same appreciation for it that you did before when, in fact, you have a fear that it might actually be, um, you know, your one-way ticket to COVIDville? So yep. that's where I think the problem still is. And you, you and I talked about this and how COVID had affected theaters and and stuff like that. It nearly killed the theater industry. I don't think that the theater industry is going to be gone for good because I think it is an experience. When was the last film? Um, oh, yeah, Resident Evil, of course. Um, the last film was Death on the Nile, actually. That's the last film I saw in theaters, was Death on the Nile. So I am, I had to see Paul. But but your but your favorite one was Resident Evil. You told me that, right? That is the first film I saw in theater since the pandemic started. Was Resident Evil. Uh, I regretted that every single day after that. Now um, let's I, assume I, 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 I cannot stand that movie to this day. Uh, it is going on streaming, and I literally was about to write a hateful letter that they bothered to release this movie. Um, and, I, but I, let I me but let me ask you a question. But let me ask you a question. If it had if it had been anything else that you'd have liked it would have felt like an event because every time that you go to films, it feels like a nice, fun event that you share with your loved ones. And I'm going to say this. I'm biased because I've generally kind of left the theater system because I like my home theater system. I also know I'm privileged you, you to have, have a home a nice, theater. Yeah, so. you're not, you have a nice theater system. Yeah, I, I am privileged. I'm going to say this. I know I'm privileged to have it. But, uh, my, uh, you know, I went to see Death of the Nile, and immediately I remembered all the reasons why I hated going to the theater. I couldn't pause. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. Uh, during that movie, there was really a point that I was like, I wish I could just talk to the people here and just be like, yo, it's definitely this dude, right? Like, have a more community space. Because part of that, I'm like, well, I honestly would rather have people over my house to watch a movie where we can talk, have fun, and do stuff to make it an event than yeah. a theater which seems so uneventful because I just have to shut up. I can't really do anything. I just have to shut up and watch. And so, um, so for me personally, and I wonder because of just some people falling out of the habit of going to theaters and having this, if we're losing this event. I have a VR system now. I can watch movie on VR and actually chat with people. I love, I love new technology. Um, and I love you have the VR system. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, but I'm just wondering if because uh, I was reading this report from I think this is Hollywood Report. No, this one's from Variety. But they're still having certain aspects of demographics that still aren't going back to the movies, especially women that are just not seeing movies as much as everybody else. Um, so we're so we're still, and I'm wondering, it's like, well, are we kind of leaving that demographic just just behind because we're like, ugh, movies. Once we go back to it, and that was always what I said before. I wonder the one big tentpole film, and that was Spider-Man. Greenwright said it's going to make tons of money. What I want to know is the follow-up films after that, if they'll still make. I I, I got I gotta say, man, that I really doubt that it'll happen at that level. Because it, it it's almost like a one-off thing. I mean, like, look, everything else that Marvel has released, it's not that it's been failures, but they've met their success on streaming because you know Shang Chi was a great. I I love Shang Chi. But I, you know, I don't mind watching it on on streaming. You know, mm -hmm. I had to. Again, for me, it's a matter of getting out of the house. Mm -hmm. You know, and fuck, man, I just I no, love my milk I, duts, dude. I got you got any milk I, duts? I, you I, can send me? I love my popcorn. But do you uh, have any milk duts in your house? I know you got some milk duts in your house, bro. Don't lie to me. No, well, Amy likes milk duds. I probably do. I, I hate milk duds, but she probably. You know what, them. man? I, I'll just talk. My to sister Amy. likes them too. My that's like my sister's favorite. I'll talk candy. to the people. I'll talk to the people in your family that have actual common sense, Jonathan. I, I'm the popcorn guy, man. I've, I'm you the are the popcorn, popcorn guy, and yeah, we I love you for that. Popcorn. And you know uh, what? You better I, pop off, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so that's what I'm wondering with the Batman, because Batman is large character like Spider Man has has had successful movies like billion dollars successful <laughs> movies mm -hmm. people love it it's definitely an event right what are Seeing your what are your thoughts based on what you saw in the previews and i want you to be honest with me I, what are your thoughts i want to see the batman am i willing to go to the theaters to see it no 
because I'm just used to seeing things on streaming and at home, I don't care. Right? But that's personally me. I know I'm different. Yeah, and I know Spider-Man was a big event film, but I'm always wondering if Spider-Man people like just just like, oh, I'm so tired of being in my house. I just want to go back to normal and see a movie. Or is it theaters are back? Will the Batman do as well? Because I feel like the Batman is a comparable movie. It has recognizable stars that people like. Um, it has a property that everybody likes. It's a blockbuster tentpole film that everyone should flock to. And was Spider-Man a one-off or are like or big blockbuster movies back. Is the Batman also going to make a billion dollars and like, all right, we're back, everything's just back on. Or will it be more tepid now that everybody had it out of the system? That's a question I kind of had during the pandemic, and I'm really waiting for the Batman to kind of tell me which way that is or not, you know? Whether it's yay or nay. And, and I know to be optimistic, well, yeah, theaters are back. Po positive, it, it but you know well. what? To, to your point, your point and i'm no you know i don't consider myself a, a barometer just because like you know i'm every everyone's different right yeah so i'm not gonna say this this was gonna happen but what it, it's happening with me i absolutely love watching all the dc stuff that i watch with a bucket of popcorn at home mm -hmm. this is the animated stuff this is peacemaker mm -hmm. this is the cw stuff which i never miss mm -hmm. and that includes naomi which Holy shit, that show has got me riveted. It pissed me off that it was off for two weeks. Um, I, I was so mad. So fucking mad. But I'm glad it's back. And, like, I, you know, to me, it's something where I'm like, I'm just going to go in my room, relax, pop on a DC, and feel good mm -hmm. about life. Which is weird because DC is inherently dark in subject matter. So much darker than Marvel. Mm -hmm. You know, everything about DC has like a like a real kind of dark underpinning to it. So I'm like, so I don't know. Maybe the the Batman again. Well, like you said, I mean the uh, the preview looks intriguing. It certainly makes the the Riddler a far more serious and threatening character. Mm -hmm. um, is the other dude the older dude? Is that the Penguin? Yes. Yeah, the Penguin's yeah. in there. Yep. The Penguin there so looks so different. And I know people go, well, streaming hurt theaters because of piracy. And it's like, because no one ever released the numbers about how much they made on video on demand. Let's just be honest. No one really released them. Black Widow was like the only, like, you know, small window that we got to see of actual money spent when people bought VOD. Um, and a little bit of Trolls too. Besides that, we never really got to see. Um, we don't know how much they literally made from those. We don't know. We don't know how much they made. Because I would tell you right now, I wonder if people are missing the option. I miss the option. Rick, if I was still in the same place as you and we had the option to watch Batman, I would invite you all over, cop a big pop of popcorn. I think all of us, your family, my family. Oh, have dude. A oh, yeah. But see, but okay. So that I would totally be down with. Hey, because, you know, your family. So. That's awesome. You name your family, so that's awesome. But also, again, there's that di therein lies that difference of the event of going to the films, buying your popcorn, sitting down, watching the movie, and just sort of disconnecting, and the event of actually fucking having this fun time with people that you love and care about. Where it's like, fuck! I knew Batman was a vampire. I fucking knew it. I knew it. he's glowing. He's glowing. That's that's different. You know what I'm saying? Like a hundred percent different. So I totally yeah. And I, and I, and I feel like streaming and watch parties and other stuff. It's even happening on Twitch. You see it with TV shows. People literally sit and watch and talk together watching a film, which I feel is starting to get on the replacement yeah. of theater. Doing something that theaters just can't do, right? Because we just don't do. You have to just be in the dark, shut up, don't interact. Uh, and I'm just wondering that if truly given the option, would theaters die out? Or theaters back, people are just like, no, we prefer that theaters are back. Or because we don't have options and we're just stuck at the home, we're going to see theaters, but it will kind of see this tepid decline of them as we kind of take more and more people out of the equation. Because yeah, everybody has streaming. So. We all know movies are coming to streaming, whether it's four, five, six months, they're going. And so it's about missing out on the conversation or if people don't care. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm truly just wondering. I don't have the answer for it. So I'm not saying one way or the other. Yeah, I'm just truly neither of us wondering 
what will happen. And I think the Batman will be that next good barometer, right? And because I always said that, I was like, there's going to be one movie that everyone's going to flock to see. It's like, it's going to flock. It's going to make tons of money. Watch our previous episodes or listen, I'm sorry, to our previous episodes. You'll literally hear me say that. Right? <laughs> like, there's going to be a movie. But the question is, what happens with the next big movie? Did we get it out of our system? Or do we still, are our theater still here? Are the box office back? Because box office returns and everything else are still tepid. Anything that's not a big temple blockbuster, it's still tepid. The only, right thing, the only thing that can make the box office return is, um, is another four-hour Justice League. This one in sepia tone. <laughs> I just, you know, I you're, right. you're right. Uh, this time, we're, what we need is we need a six-hour cut of Justice League where Zack Snyder narrates the movie to us, like a director's cut narration, where where it is sepia literally tones. blank. It's and literally sepia. blank, so you see nothing. It's black. No, on the no, screen. no. I want it with sepia tones, Jonathan. But I want it washed out sepia tones, so you can barely oh, recognize it. So washed, washed out sepia tones. You got it. Yeah, watch out Steve Patone with Zack Snyder narrating what's happening on screen. I think that's what brings movie theaters back. Just yeah. 100%. Where, where, um, where the Martian Manhunters an even bigger fucking tool. Yeah. I think they should put more Monster Manhunter in that in that one, but like in background shots in the washout Steve Patone. Really? He doesn't do anything. He's just there. like, oh, I get it. When they're like, oh, we should send Diana a message, and you see that it's like her mother, and then the next scene, it'll actually be Martian Manhunter, right? With no context and no one explains it, and then the movie will just continue on. And then, and then, um, eventually, just Ben Affleck's like, uh, "I'm sorry, who are you again?" The yeah. what? Oh, and then Alfred is actually Martian Manhunter too. We just find out that oh, yeah. like every there's two, side there's two Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Well, we find out every side character is just Martian Manhunter. Yeah, pretty much. Iris is just Martian Manhunter. Um. <laughs> I think no every okay. like everybody should be Martian Manhunter, and then at the end, like when Martian Manhunter just reveals himself and he's like, "It was all a joke." <laughs> oh, and by the way, for those of you sitting in the theater, Zack Snyder says, "Go fuck yourself." I really want Silas's dad to actually be alive in the next movie because who he thought died was actually Martian Manhunter. Because oh, it was just Martian Manhunter. See, he's been manipulating them. The yeah. Whole time. Oh my gosh, what a terrible film. Because the heroes wouldn't want to do action on their own. You need someone to manipulate them into heroic actions, which I feel like would be Zack Snyder's point. See, that's why it was all Martian Manhunter. Ah, you see. Right? I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's your gotcha. point. That's your point. <laughs> With that said, let's go on to our recommendations before we talk and see them out. Uh, I think it's going to be, um, uh, for me, my recommendation, honestly, is to come to either our TikTok, leave a comment on this episode, or on Twitter at Cinemagic Podcast 1, C-A-1. Uh, either one, leave us a comment and let us know whether you're going to be seeing the Batman in theaters. I think that's literally my that recommendation. Is, yeah, that is my recommendation. Also, if you can, find a cyclone on um, eBay and get, you can have so many hours of fun with this. I love it. I love it. Uh, and that's what it, and tell us what you think, you know, follow us, leave the comment, tell exactly. your friends. Have them tell us what you think, right? Exactly. Um, tell what us what you think, think. and then, you, think. you know, if, um, if you like us, we welcome that, and if you don't like us, we also welcome that. We just uh, won't welcome it with as much aplomb and happiness. But um, yeah, man, we uh, we look forward to you know continuing to entertain you and enrich you and hurl blessings, hurl blessings upon you. Also, let me know. Maybe I should put a poll up on Twitter or something. But let me know if I should brave the theater to see this, where no one's going to let me talk, pause the movie, yell obscenities, and or make sexy dances the whole time. Uh, or I, I just feel, I just feel I like, I just, you just made me think about that, uh, that scene in Scream where Jada Pinkett's character has that epic death scene. After yeah. after she gets stabbed, 
she has an epic epic death scene and uh, people are thinking that that wasn't real I was like oh god that is <laughs> kind of crazy and impactful good oh. shit and, and that's what I like to do. And let me know if you like to sexy dance on Theodore's Isles, too. Uh, <laughs> over on Swedes. And let me know if you actually have ever been to one of those theaters, the dollar theaters that had, like, the covered covered movie chairs. They were covered uh, in, like, plastic. I feel like that's a different type of theater. All right. Uh, <laughs> subscribe. We'll see you next week. Uh, again, reach out to us. Love you from Chai's Killies Productions. Love you, peoples, and a major.